All right, turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. We are back in Daniel. I hope you read ahead. Uh, the next three chapters are very uh, focusing on the spiritual battle that takes place all around us. And I pray that this morning that we're all attentive and ready to hear how the Lord wants to minister to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We ask now, as we go to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We ask in Jesus' name that you give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. I pray that man would decrease, that the Spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. Be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. we know that Daniel that the first six chapters speak of his life historically. And then from chapter seven on, including, but back in chapter two as well, we see prophecy throughout the book of Daniel. So Daniel, as we know, was taken captive as a teenage boy, was drug off into Babylonian captivity. As we come to tonight's chapter, he's at the end of his life, toward the end of his life. He's in his eighties. And now God is using Daniel in a time when the children of Israel are going back to Israel. We'll talk about that this morning. They've been in bondage for 70 years. He was the one we saw it. If you were here last uh, two weeks ago, the 70 weeks of Daniel, speaking about the, the day that from the day they commanded the rebuilding of, the, of Jerusalem until the day that Jesus came in, the, when Messiah entered into Jerusalem, was 173,880 days. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. And when we look at prophecy in the Bible, we see prophecy that's been fulfilled. And we're going to see a prophecy this morning. Uh, we'll actually see it next week. This is a prelude to the prophecy in chapter 11. By the way, Daniel 11, I heard some pastors talking. They said they think Daniel 11 is the hardest chapter in the Bible to teach. So you better come back next week. And I'm going to have to be, be really attentive and digging deep into that chapter. But we're going to see today Daniel's preparation as God is about to speak to him yet again. We're going to see him mourning and heartbroken, and I'll tell you why I believe that's the case. And so if you have your outline, grab it. So in these last three chapters of Daniel, we're going to see this final vision. It's extremely detailed interpretation, and Daniel 10 sets the stage for the spectacular prophecy message of Daniel 11. And it describes a time of great persecution and testing for the people of Israel. Nothing's new under the sun. We'll also see in some detail into the spiritual realm and the battle that goes on all around us every single day. You know, some people see demons under every rock. You know, the, I've told you this before. You know, I had a lady would ask, call me up and ask me to pray for the deliverance from the demon of chocolate. I'm like, just stop it, okay? <laughs> I've got the demon of chocolate. I need deliverance from chocolate, you know? I'm like, just don't go down the candy aisle. You'll get past it, right? But the reality is some people over-spiritualize things, but then you have the other extreme where people don't look at things from a spiritual perspective at all. But the reality is, and we'll see it in this morning's text, that we do fight a spiritual battle, that there is a battle that's going on around us. I think if God opened our eyes for 10 seconds and let us see just that spiritual battle that's taking place, even in this tent right now, uh, it would be pretty heavy duty. It would be hard for us to maybe even recover from it. But we need to be understanding that there is a spiritual battle. And so I titled the message, if you've got your outline there, we battle not with flesh and blood. It says this in Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. So Daniel is 
going to get a glimpse of this spiritual battle taking place. He's going to be interacting with an angel. I believe the first portion of the t- chapter, some will disagree with me, and that's okay, is it's Jesus at the beginning, and then it's going to be an angel that he's interacting with because he is so, oh, he is so burdened and so mournful and so heartbroken about two things that we'll see in the text. So I tell him the message, we battle not with flesh and blood, and here are the six points we'll look at this morning. First of all, God speaks to and through those who walk in intimate fellowship with him. Isn't it amazing how many prophecies are coming through one man, Daniel? Why is that? Because Daniel was a man of God in a time when very few people were walking with the Lord. Daniel was a man who prayed when nobody else would and got thrown into the lion's den. Daniel, as a young man, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, that he would not disobey the word of God, even if it cost him his life. See, when someone is sold out for God, walks in intimate fellowship with God, that is a man or a woman that God can use. Amen? And we'll see that. We t- I quote this verse often. It's out of Second Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for men and women that he can use for his kingdom and for his glory. And he's not looking for your ability, but your availability. Lord, here I am, send me. And we're going to see that Daniel is such a man. Number two, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, there's no better place to be than in the presence of Almighty God. It brings us to the end of ourselves. His strength is made perfect in our weakness, and man is the only thing that becomes more valuable when broken. See, when we truly are in the presence of Almighty God, it brings us to the end of ourself. It's no longer about us. It humbles us. And you know what? We, God gives grace to the humble, and He resists the proud. There's no better place to be than an intimate fellowship with God, and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Number three, God hears your prayers and he responds in his perfect time. We're going to see in tonight's text, or tonight, this morning's text, we're going to see Daniel praying, fasting, and mourning, and then God doesn't answer his prayer for 21 days. And I think it's significant for us to understand that we don't quit praying because it's not happening in our time. Guys, we pray in our time, and God answers in his time, and his timing is perfect. Amen? And we need to learn to continue to pray. And you know what? It's amazing. We'll talk about this. But he prayed for 21 days, and then we're going to see that there was a battle taking place, a spiritual battle that kept the the angel from getting to him. And if he had quit praying after 20 days, what would have happened? I don't know, right? But the point is, let's keep praying. And when I was studying this, uh, even late last night into the early hours of the morning, it just reminded me of prayers I used to pray that I've stopped praying, and I need to start praying them again. People we've prayed for, maybe we gave up. I've been praying for that person for years and I gave up. Guess what? Let's keep praying. Let's never give up. Let's never stop crying out to Almighty God. Amen? He hears our prayers. Number four, when we truly understand what the future holds, it will bring us to the end of ourselves. You know, I pray that the Lord would just open our eyes. I pray we would see the world from an eternal perspective. You know, we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. We shouldn't be surprised when a, when a lost and evil world acts like a lost and an evil world. And that's the world we live in today. We're on the planet right now for such a time as this, and we're called to be salt and light to people that don't hear about the Lord from anyone else, and you may be the only Christian that ever crosses their path, and the Lord wants to use us for his glory if we will but let him. When we truly understand what the future holds, it will bring us to the end of ourselves. We'll quit focusing on our comfort and we'll be more burdened to see people saved than ourselves comfortable. 
Number five, the battle belongs to the Lord. And aren't you glad? Amen? People are worried about China. And I guess we should to some degree. But you know what? I'm not. God's in control. Amen? People are worried about what's happening in the next election. Should we vote in the next election, by the way? What's the answer to that? Yes. Vote, 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 vote. And you know what? And just be right. Can I get an amen to that? Okay? You caught that, right? Okay. So the reality is... So the reality is that we need to vote, and we need to vote biblically, but, here, but here, the Bible tells us in the last days, things will grow more and more evil. So we shouldn't be surprised if the election doesn't go the way that we want it to. We should pray that it does. But if it doesn't, God's still on the throne, God's still in control, and they can't vote God out of office. Amen? But we need to recognize that the battle belongs to the Lord, or God is greater, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to fear any of it. Why? Because our God is in control. And then finally, we are strengthened by the truth of God's word. Any messenger that is sent by God will deliver a message that is consistent with the word of God. So put your faith in the Lord and the truth of his word. So let's begin there in Daniel chapter 10, looking that we battle or we wrestle not with flesh and blood. God speaks to and through those that walk in intimate fellowship with him. So he finishes his, his 70 weeks uh, prophecy, and we know that some of it has, pictures of it have already taken place, but ultimately it will take place during the Great Tribulation. But now we're going to see that three, about three, four more years have passed by. Look what it says here. It says, in the third year of Cyrus the king, of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. So now we know the third year of Cyrus is 536 BC, and Daniel is about 85 years old at this point. So he has been He's been in captivity, in a sense, in exile, first in Babylon, and now the Persians, the Medo-Persians have overtaken Babylon, so now it's part of Persia, and so he's probably been there since he was about 13 years old, so um, the 70 years of captivity have already passed. By the time we come to this point, Ezra, the book of Ezra, chapter 1 and 2 have already taken place. Zerubbabel has already taken 50,000 people back to Jerusalem to try to reestablish the worship of the true and living God, to rebuild the temple. So Daniel knew that it was coming. He saw it take place. Daniel has remained in Persia. People wonder why he didn't go back to Jerusalem. It could be because he's in a position of authority uh, that God wants to continue to use him. Uh, in Persia to have a bigger impact on what happens to the Jews. But it also could be that because he was uh, advanced in years and it was a thousand mile trek back to Jerusalem. So God has him here for a reason. And as he is serving alongside Cyrus, the, the king, it says there by this time again, the first wave of exiles are gone. So it's an important message and vision came at an important time in Israel's history as many of the Jews had begun to re return, and sadly, only a small percentage did. Now, we're going to see in just a couple verses here that Daniel is mourning. And I think there's two reasons why. He's mourning first because when they were allowed to go home, most people didn't. Most people believe it's maybe only 4 or 5% of all the Jews that have been taken captive, they go back to Jerusalem. 
You know why? Because after 70 years in a pagan world, they felt more comfortable in a pagan world than they had a burden to go back home and worship the true and living God. And this is a message for all of us. May we never be so comfortable in the world that we don't remain desperate for Almighty God. Amen? And we can get so inundated with the world around us and the entertainment around us and the workplace and everywhere we go and the politics and all that stuff. And before you know it, we we just kind of go with the flow. We become comfortable in the things of the world. And it broke Daniel's heart that, wait, you can go home. You can go back and have the reestablish the the worship to the true and living God, the sacrificial system, remember the feast, celebrate Passover, go back to the land that God gave us, escape this pagan idolatry that surrounds us. And most people stayed. I believe that's the number one reason he's mourning. But I believe also he's mourning because of the vision. We'll see in chapter 11, when he gets a glimpse of this vision, it's going to break his heart. And when it does, he's going to come to the end of himself and he's going to mourn, and he's going to pray, and he's going to fast, and he's going to cry out to God. And you know what? At that time, Daniel might have been the only one, because Daniel had gotten a glimpse of what was coming, and it broke Daniel's heart. Hey, guys, the reason we study prophecy is so we get a glimpse of what is coming, so it breaks our heart, so we can be about it for the kingdom of God until the Lord comes back. Amen? We don't study prophecy so we can debate other Christians about prophecy. A lot of people love to debate other believers. You know what? You can debate other believers. I want to go tell lost people about Jesus. Amen? And so Daniel gets this vision. Notice what it says there, though, in that first verse, is that the message was received and the message was true. So he knew it was true. You know, the one thing about Daniel, he's had multiple visions and each one of them He's been given an interpretation, and one of those things has already taken place because remember in Daniel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 7, he had a vision of the kingdoms, and it was Babylon, and then it said the next kingdom would be the Medo-Persians. Well, guess what? The Medo-Persians have just wiped out Babylon. He's already seen a fulfillment of prophecy, so now when he gets this prophecy and he sees that this one's already been fulfilled, he knows this one will be fulfilled as well. So he knows from what the word of God has shown him or what God has shown him through this vision that this is going to take place and it grips his heart and praise God for a man like Daniel. So it was revealed to Daniel. And again, why Daniel? Why was it revealed to somebody else? Because Daniel, I believe at this point is a man who walks closer to God than probably anybody else on the planet. We have 70 years of his life recorded without a single sin. You know, we know he's a sinner because all men are, but he was a man that walked in intimate fellowship and God speaks to and speaks through people who walk in intimate fellowship with him. You know what? The people that have faith, the people are people of the word, the people that, you know, when you go through a crisis, you probably pick up the phone to call somebody that you know is close to God Amen. and ask them to pray for you. Not that, our, not that the prayer of Billy Graham is any greater than the prayer of somebody who's been saved for five minutes. In some degree, all our prayers are heard by God. But at the same time, it's like, all the people say that to me, and I'm not worthy of it. They'll go, well, I want you to pray because I know you're close to God. Well, you know what? We can all be close to God. Can I get an amen to that? And so Daniel is a man who's walking in intimate fellowship with God, and he's a man that God trusts, and he's a man that God has called, and he's a man that God has gifted. And so he shows this to Daniel, and Daniel's response is the heart of a man who has compassion. It's the heart of a man who's, he's not worried about himself. 
He doesn't care about how this vision impacts him. He knows that he's right with God, but what about everyone else? So he already had Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he interpreted that. Remember when there was a writing on the wall, Belshazzar, right? Who did they go get? And when got Daniel, he comes in and goes, oh, I know what that says. Dude, you're done. That's Pastor Day paraphrase. But he just walks in. Meanie, meanie, you, t- you, know, you far send your toast, bro. And that's what happened. But he was constantly the man that they ran to get because they knew that this man walked with God. And here we are at the end of his life and God is still using him. And you know what? We're indestructible until God's through with us. Amen. So those scripture, it's the faith through scripture, the faithful men who walk in intimate fellowship with God that he speaks through. And Daniel was respected and trusted by kings and used mightily by God. And I truly believe that as Christians, we should live a life that even a lost world has a level of respect for us. They may not agree with us, but they see our integrity. They see what we're, that we're men and women of godly character. We have a godly reputation. So even if they disagree with you, when they get into a desperate place, you're somebody they want to come talk to. So all these pagan kings had all continued to have Daniel. He's been through five kingdoms now. And he goes through all these kings, and each one of them continues to have him be one of their chief advisors, even though he's a man who is a follower of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and living God. The God of Abraham. So they continue to seek his counsel and seek his wisdom and seek his, even though he was a man who didn't believe in their gods. And so here, here's a such, be such a man. And again, he's the man for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. So Daniel was such a man. And I pray that, here's my prayer for all of us. May we be men and women that God will speak to and speak through. Amen. Knowing that if he gives us a message and a calling that we will be faithful to it. The thing about Daniel was he prayed and they outlawed prayer. And that was the only way they could get this guy to catch him doing something contrary to what the king wanted. And they got King Darius to sign it in a decree. And if you pray, you're going to be throwing the lion's den. And he knew that the, the decree had been signed. He still opened the window. He still prayed toward Jerusalem. You couldn't stop this guy from praying. Be like telling him he couldn't breathe. And that's the kind of man Daniel was. And that's the kind of men and women that God is looking for today, men and women who will stand up, proclaim the truth, and not fear what men may do to them. Amen? And this is Daniel, and that's why God's using him. Daniel's name means God is my judge, and you know what? He's a faithful man. But notice what it says there. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And what this means is the final fulfillment would be far in the distant future. So he's had these visions and had these dreams and interpreted these dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. And there were things that have already taken place because we know that the Medo-Persians came. Then it said that the Greeks would come. We saw that with Alexander the Great a couple hundred years after Daniel. And then the Romans would come and they came and ruled the reign for about a thousand years. But it talks about one more coming, the Antichrist, who will come out of the old Roman Empire. And that part we haven't seen yet. But it was right about Uh, Babylon. It was right about the Medo-Persians. It was right about the Greeks. It was right about the Romans. And it's going to be right about the Antichrist. Amen. And so Daniel is a man who God continues to give these directions to. But notice this time, this last vision is far in the future. So now when you see dreams and visions and prophecy in scripture, often there will be a lesser fulfillment, more immediate, and the ultimate fulfillment is in the future. 
There have been less of fulfillments of the Antichrist in a sense. You had guys like Antichrist Epiphanes. You had guys like Caesar Nero. And I would even go down to, to you have Hitler and Stalin and people like that, where you see this insane hatred for the Jews. Of all the people on the planet, the hatred for the Jews want to wipe them off the face of the earth. We know that's demonic. We know that's from the enemy. Anti-Semitism has no place in the life of any Christian ever. Can I get an amen to that? And God, we're pro-Israel because God's pro-Israel. And Daniel is heartbroken by two things. This dream of something that's going to come in the dis- great distance that he knows is going to bring great uh, tribulation for the Jewish people, but also for the fact that the people are not returning to Israel at that moment in the way that they should. Most were staying in the land of pagan idolatry. Now, it says there, he understood the message and, the understa- and had understanding of the vision. So God not only gave Daniel the message, but the crystal clear understanding of what it meant. So Daniel in the past would have a vision, and then the angel interpreted it. And then Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and Daniel interpreted it. This time, Daniel is going to understand it himself. We're going to see that an angel is going to talk to him about it, but he's going to understand it. And when he understands it, it's going to grip his heart. And we're going to see that in this morning's text. So how does he respond in light of the message and all that it meant, as well as the vast majority of the Jews choosing to remain instead of returning to Jerusalem? It says this in verse two and three. This tells us a lot about Daniel. In those days, I, Daniel was mourning three full weeks. He went into mourning, and we're going to see that he not only mourned, but he fasted. When he saw what was coming, his heart broke. When he saw what was happening at that time, that the people were not returning to the worship of the true and living God, that they were willing to stay in the land of the pagan idolaters, his heart was broken. And notice that he mourns. And as believers, when we see people walking away from the Lord, we should be mourning. Amen? We should be in a place where we're heartbroken. And we should have a reaction to that to fast and pray and take time to intercede on their behalf. Daniel was in mourning for three weeks. The word mourn there means a feeling of deep sorrow or regret. And it's most often used concerning the death of a loved one. Daniel was heartbroken over the current state of Jerusalem and the lack of people returning, but also what was going to take place in that future vision. Daniel's response was to die his flesh by fasting and to focus on interceding on behalf of the people. Look at verse 3. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came in my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks had been fulfilled. So Daniel is describing, again, what we would call as a fast and When we think of fast, a lot of times it means no food at all and just water, but you can also have a fast. In this case, he's not going to eat anything that tastes good, no pleasant food, no meat, no wine, and he doesn't bathe. I don't know if that's just a punishment for him or everyone else that comes in contact with him. (laughs) So Daniel's depriving himself of the things that make his flesh, his physical body, happy. He's going to deny himself. The Bible says we're to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. One of the reasons that fasting is so significant is fasting is where we, we, we stop focusing on the physical and our, our fleshly desires, and we put all of that focus on the eternal. 
We take all of that focus and put it on the spiritual. Instead of making breakfast, we get on our knees and pray. Instead of enjoying a meal, we spend time in the presence of Almighty God. And we've seen throughout Scripture, you remember when they, they would bring someone to the Lord, and, and, and uh, it's in, actually in, it's in Mark, and they bring this man to the Lord, and he says, my son, you know, he's, he's been troubled, and, you're, and you're, uh, I brought him to the apostles. They couldn't do anything about it. And he says that these only come out with fasting and prayer. And, some, and there's something about when we fast, and I don't, I don't understand it fully, but something about when we fast that makes our prayer more, more powerful or significant or however you want to determine it, because we see throughout Scripture, they would fast and pray in a time of ultimate desperation. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to just put all of our fleshly stuff on hold. We're going to stop feeding our flesh and its desires, and we're going to focus only on crying out to Almighty God and interceding on the behalf of others. Sometimes it's our flesh making so much noise in our lives that we can't hear the quiet things that God wants to whisper to us. See, sometimes our prayer life, we just squeeze it in between, you know, TV shows. I don't know. You know what I mean? We, oh, oh, oh I got two minutes at the stoplight. Let me say a quick prayer. You know, we don't stop and be still and make God the priority and put all of our focus on him, turn off the radio, turn off the noise, put the food away. And what it's saying is where we just make God the, the entire focus of everything we're going to do. And he did that for three weeks. For three weeks, he just stopped everything else and put all of his fashion, passion and focus on the Lord. When Elijah was in the cave seeking God's help, he found that God didn't show up in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but God showed up in a still small voice. I think sometimes we don't hear the Lord because of all the other noise of the world that's going on around us, so we can't hear him through it. You know, I want to walk so close to God that I can hear him whisper. Amen? Sometimes the Lord yells at us to get our attention because we haven't been listening. And I pray that we would walk so closely that we would have that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit if he just had that still, small voice. Dave, go tell that guy about me. Yes, Lord. Amen? Pray for so-and-so. Pick up the phone and call this person. You guys ever heard that still, small voice and you pick up the phone and you call the person and, and it was the perfect time? That person was in a desperate place. They were crying out to the Lord. Guys, we want to walk in intimate fellowship. We want to quiet all the noise of this world and have time where he is the only thing we focus on. Another common word of the word for fasting is also humility. You know, fasting uh, humbles us before Almighty God. Are you willing to yield your will to God? Are you willing to let God do whatever he wants in a situation? Are you okay if you don't get the promotion, but someone else gets the attention? Guys, see, sometimes God says no, and we need to recognize that God is wiser than we are, and that God has something else for us. And often, if he said yes to what we desired, that we would miss out on his highest. Again, once Jesus' disciples presented with a man's son who was demon-possessed, he let them know these only come out by prayer and fasting. The disciples' lack of faith is a simple answer as to why they had failed, and prayer and fasting is the answer to the question, how do I get that kind of faith? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Humble yourself. Pray. Don't figure out, you know, here's a, here's a, it, this is a problem for everybody, but it's really a problem for guys. This is what we do. I'll fix it. I got it. Anybody else besides me ever think that? Let's go. I got it. Let's go. What's wrong? Let's go fix it. 
Uh, where was the prayer time? We only pray when we fail. We only pray when we mess it all up. How about we pray first? Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to, to, to not rely on ourselves and rely on the Lord and die to ourselves. Only a small number had returned to Israel. This is before the groups under Nehemiah had gone. And remembering these past chapters, Daniel prayed toward Jerusalem. He prayed toward Jerusalem every day, three times a day at the hours of prayer and wouldn't stop praying even when it meant the lion's den. So do you think he has a burden for Jerusalem? Do you understand why he would be so burdened? I've been praying for 70 years, three times a day toward Jerusalem, that God would bring restoration, that the temple would be rebuilt, that worship would be regained. And now the opportunity for it takes place and 95% of the people don't even leave. It's hearts broken. And because of that, he's brought to this place that along with this vision. You know, he wept over Jerusalem. You know someone else who wept over Jerusalem? Jesus. John 19 says this of Jesus. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make you for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. Boy, isn't that happening right now? And level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you with one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus had a burden for Israel. Daniel had a burden for Israel. I want to have a burden for the things that Jesus has a burden for. I want to be burdened for the things that he's burdened for. I want to be grieved by the things that he's grieved by. I want to love people the way that he loves them. Amen? We're called to be Christ-like. That's what a Christian is, followers of Jesus Christ. So God, number one, God speaks to those, through those that walk in intimate fellowship with him. Point number two, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Look at verse four. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the river Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen with his waves girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like burl. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet burnished bronze in color. And the sounds of his word were like a multitude. A voice were like a multitude. Who is this? It's Jesus. When we read in Revelation, this is almost identical to his description in the book of Revelation. It talks about his eyes and, you know, the the gold band and the way that he's clothed. And so here, Daniel is in this position where he's had this dream. He's had this vision. He understands it. And now he's going to get a visit from Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting. It's on the 24th day of the first month. So this is at the end. He began his fast on the third day. and He just ended ends his fast. And now the Lord shows up. He fasts, he prays, he waits, and then the Lord shows up. I love that. Daniel started the fast early. Passover took place on the 21st of the month. He fasted through the time of Passover. Usually a time of celebration and thanksgiving was a time for him of mourning and prayer and fasting. Instead of feasting and celebrating, he was fasting and mourning. And Babylon had been used by God to bring judgment against his people from turning, for turning away from him. By the way, the Tigris River, we know that still exists today along with the Euphrates, and that's in Iraq. 
So he's in Iraq now at this point, and Babylon was there as well. And that's where he is, and he's in this position, and he's burdened for what's taking place in Jerusalem. And because of that, here he's been crying out to God, and the Lord shows up. Daniel grieved by future events. He saw in the vision. His grief brought him, brought on by apathy of his people, and Daniel's burden drove him to his knees. Here's two promises in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7.22 says, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them, therefore he has brought all this calamity upon them. So we see here that Daniel would have known these scriptures and he knows that prayer is God's plan, but he also knows that they're in the position they're in because they disobeyed God. You know, our country has never been perfect, but I believe it's the greatest country on the planet. And I believe that it has been because early on we honored God. We are one nation under God and we're getting further away from God at breakneck speed as we speak. And we can't expect God to bless our nation if we don't bless him. And that's where we are. And this is where Daniel is. He's in this heartbroken place. But, he, but at the middle of that, God, the Lord shows up to minister to him. The Lord shows up to speak to him. Notice what it says again there in verse 5. I lifted my eyes and looked. Behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Uphaz. It could be, you know, the clothed in linen. That's what the priests wore. You know, they wore linen garments. The high priest would wear, you know, jewels over the top of it and had different things on at different times representing the 12 tribes, but they were clothed in linen and Jesus is the great high priest. Girded with the gold of Uphaz, again, it's uh, the meaning of the name in Hebrew implies that it's the finest gold that could ever be found. So he had a golden belt. Well, we saw that Jesus depicted in Revelation had a golden belt. His eyes were like burl. Burl, this could mean... uh, like a shiny and yellow appearance. His face was like lightning. His face was so bright that it just pierced like lightning. His eyes were like torches of fire. His arms like burnished bronze. His arms like polished metal shining in the sun. And again, his words, when he spoke, it sounded like a crowd was speaking when, when, that's, when Jesus spoke. He opened his mouth and it just was thundering in its sound. This is clearly a supernatural being. There are some that believe this is just an angel. I don't think that's the case. Here's why. Revelation 1 says this, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed in a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice was the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. There's no doubt in my mind, this is Jesus. Man, I would love that my prayer life was so intimate and so close to God that Jesus just showed up at my house. (laughs) The Lord just showed up in my living room. Okay, you've been praying, I'm here. That's what happens to Daniel. He's fasting, he's mourning, he's praying, he's crying out to God, and the Lord shows up. I love this picture. Look at verse, it says there in verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision 
For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. See, Daniel was alone when he saw the vision. This shows that something supernatural about this vision. Daniel saw the vision, but those who were with him could not see it. Does this remind you of anybody? Remember Paul, Saul of Tarsus on the road? And what happens? The Lord knocks him off his high horse. He, you know, he's blinded by it. He's overwhelmed by it. But the people around him could hear his voice, but they could not see him. And the Lord is appearing, but no one else hears it because there's only one that's walking in intimate fellowship with God, and it's Daniel. Daniel heard a voice again, again on the road to Damascus. They saw no one, but Paul, just like Daniel, had a supernatural interaction with the Lord. You know, we can be close to the presence of God, yet miss the message. You know, there were people that were there and the Lord's talking to Saul and Saul hears him, but they don't. The people are there and God's talking to Daniel and Daniel hears him, but they don't. And guys, we need to not quit worrying about making sure everyone else hears what we hear. We just need to listen to when God's speaking to us and be faithful and obedient to what God calls us to do, even if no one else wants to go with us. Amen? That we heed his voice we, and we respond in faithful obedience to it. They all hid themselves. Then it says, therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. As godly as Daniel was, he was undone by the vision of this glorious man. He was alone with the Lord. His strength left him. He came to the end of himself. He became weak and frail. The word vigor is splendor and frailty means ruin or death-like paleness. You know, he just became white as a goat when he's, when he's in the presence of the Lord. I mean, here's a man of God who's close, as close to God as anybody on the planet, but when he's in his presence, he comes undone. And guys, none of us will stand before Almighty God in our own strength. We're all going to come undone in his presence. Amen? And Daniel comes undone. And God revealed the most to Daniel when he was alone and weak. Just remember that. You know, I think we need fellowship. We need to be with other believers. And, and we have wonderful time with the Lord when we're together. But I truly believe that God speaks most clearly to me when I'm alone with him. When I'm undistracted. In Santa Cruz, I don't have to do this as much anymore. But when I was in Santa Cruz and I worked a full-time job and I pastored a church and I had kids playing Little League and I didn't want to miss. I didn't want to sacrifice my kids on the altar of ministry. So literally for, I don't know, many, many years, every Saturday night, I stayed up all night at the church office studying. And I would get there about six o'clock and I would study till about eight the next morning. I would go home and shower and go to church. And people would always feel bad for me. Oh man, you had to stay up all night. Well, let me just clue you in. I was alone hanging out with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you were sleeping. Amen. Amen. And it was amazing. And even now, last night, I was studying my office till middle of the night. And as I'm writing this down, I'm in tears like, Lord, I just get to hang out with you. Is there anything better than I get to hang out with you? And I think for me, the closest I am to the Lord is when I'm studying. Because when I'm studying, he's, he, like, I'm writing sometimes and I feel like that he's writing. I'm just kind of hanging with Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit. We just want to be tools in the hands of the master. We want to walk in intimate fellowship with him. By the way, you don't want me to go to Hawaii for you and then come back and tell you about it. You want to go yourself, amen? Right? You don't want me to go just hang out with the Lord and come tell you what the Lord showed me, which is part of what we do as pastors, right? But at the same time, what's better is when you hang out with him and you let him speak directly to you. And this is Daniel, 
He's in the presence of the Lord. And what does he do? He falls out. I have my, uh, what would Jesus do? It's been on her since, since uh, doctor brought him to the church, and I just love it. But they used to have some that said, when I was a youth pastor, said frog. They were green, and they said F-R-O-G, and people go, and people always ask you, why do you have a frog bracelet? And it meant fully reliant on God. And this is where Daniel's at. He's fully reliant on God. He has fallen out. He's weak. He can't even, he can't even put his face up. He's alone with the Lord and he comes to the end of himself. When was the last time you were alone with the Lord and you came to the end of yourself? Guys, that should be something that happens on a regular basis, not something that we have to look back five years ago to the last time it happened. Again, we need godly fellowship. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, but we need alone, undistracted time with the Lord. I used to do this. I'm convicted. I'm going to start doing this again. When I lived in Lancaster, I used to take my Bible and I would drive out into the desert and I would park my car and I'd bring a little cooler with something to drink in it. And I would just sit there and read my Bible out in the desert. When I lived in Santa Cruz, I would drive down to Westcliff, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And I would park my car away from everyone else. And I would just sit there and read my Bible. And you know what? Those are just precious times when the radio's not on. There's no distractions. Nothing else is getting in the way. And when I was Going through this, I'm like, I need to start doing that again. We need to just spend time alone with the Lord. We need to have alone time, undistracted time. You know how to alone time with the Lord? Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Paul, John himself out on the island of Patmos. These guys, when did God speak to them? Abraham was by himself. Moses was out there watching sheep and then the, the, the burning bush, right? So, so often it's when we're alone with God that he speaks to us the clearest, when we're the least distracted by what's going on around us. Yes, we need fellowship. Don't forsake that. But we also need to take time to be alone with Almighty God. Amen? Then it says there, he said, I, I retain no strength, yet I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. This is a place of total humility. He's laying face down on the ground. Uh, you know, when I've had desperate prayers, that's where I end up. And at least the ground of my bedroom's carpeted, right? But I'm face down on the ground. I mean, when I'm in a desperate place, when I'm in a place where I, can't, I just need the Lord's help and I'm crying out to him, often it was on behalf of my children when they were away or struggling or whatever it might be. And you just find yourself, and this is where Daniel is. He's lost all of his strength. He's not worried about how he looks to the world. He's hanging out alone with the Lord and he's just face down in the presence of Almighty God. Is it any wonder that this is a man that God uses? Because this is a man who's fully surrendered his life to the Lord. He faded in sight of this glorious person, and John experienced the same thing at Patmos. It says in Revelation 1.17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Again, that was Jesus in Revelation. It's Jesus here. The words of the Lord in his glorious presence knocked Daniel out. Again, God's presence brings even the most godly of men to the end of themselves. And while this is clearly a very dramatic spiritual experience, the key to the, the validity and significance of such experiences is the fruit it produces. You know, it's been said, it's not about how high you jump, but how straight you walk. Amen? 
What does that mean? You have people that go out and get an experience. We, I, we, we went to church today. We just, we never even got to the Bible because we were just all drunk in the spirit. We were rolling in the ground and running up and down the aisles with flags and doing backflips in the aisles. And we didn't have any time for the word. You know what? It's not all how you jump. It's how straight you walk. Because I guess what? I'll tell you what. You just come in here and run around like a bunch of idiots and go home. Your life's not going to get any better. Can I get an amen to that? Your walk with the Lord's not going to get any stronger. And so the, the, those intimate times with the Lord should change us. It should draw us closer to him. It should mold us more into the image of our Savior. It's not how great the experience was if it doesn't change you. Again, if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Amen? And so it's that intimate fellowship with God that changes me. And it's changing Daniel. And this is a man who's been walking with God for, you know, 70 years, faithfully serving the Lord when nobody else did. And he still had some growing to do. That's true for all of us. Again, many seek the experience of the spiritual high driven by emotion. True intimacy with God, a real relationship with him will go beyond emotion to a transformed life that bears fruit. By your fruit, they shall know you. Amen. Point number two, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. He feared, he fell before the Lord. Verse 10 through 14, God hears your prayers. Look at verse 10. Suddenly, a hand touched me. Now, right here, there's some debate. There's no debate for me. Verses one through nine is Jesus. Now it's an angel. And I'll show you why. Well, I'll just tell you why. The angel needs help beating a demon. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Okay, thank you. Amen. Some commentators are like, well, yeah, Jesus needed help. Uh, okay, I'm going to burn that commentary. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus never needs anyone's help. He's almighty God. Amen. So Jesus has appeared to him. He's fallen on his face. He's knocked out. Then it says in verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, made me tremble on my knees, on the, my palms of my hands and said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, Understand the words which I speak to you and stand upright, for I now have now been sent to you while, while he was speaking the word to me, I stood trembling. So he's laying on the ground and somebody comes up behind him and touches him and he gets up on his knees off of his face and then he stands up and he's standing there trembling. The fear of God is still upon him. But you know what? Watch what happens here. This is such an amazing thing that we see her taking place. Daniel, notice he says to Daniel, Oh, greatly beloved, can there be anything better to hear than God loves you? Can there be anything when you're in a place of total desperation and you're crying out to God and God makes it clear, Hey, Daniel, you're greatly beloved. I would say to every one of you that you are greatly beloved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, Daniel, unconscious, face down, he's touched. You know, the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And again, there's no greater blessing that can be given to any man or woman while living on this planet than be, to be assured that the spirit of God, by the Spirit of God that you are greatly beloved by God. Love, the preeminence of God's love about to communicate a great revelation of truth. One of the most difficult revelations in the Bible we'll see next week. And he stands him up from his knees and reminds him of God's love for him. You know, he's at the point where he's shaking and he's trembling. He's at the end of himself. And he just says, so to hear that what the Lord loves you. Don't fear Daniel. Notice what it says here in verse 12. Do not fear Daniel. 
For the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come before because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I've been left alone with the kings of Persia. Now the Bible tells us we battle with powers and principalities and evil forces of darkness in high places. The king of Persia clearly here is some demonic being that has oversight over Persia. So when Daniel started praying, this angel was sent. And for 21 days was in a battle with the, this other demonic, this angel with a demonic being in battle to reach Daniel to minister to him. And what happens? That battle continued to take place. Now, our God is greater than any demonic being, but some demons have great strength. And here this angel is fighting with this demon to get the message to Daniel. And it took 21 days to get past it. And Daniel was praying for 21 days. And guys, sometimes as we pray, the answer's on its way, and it could even be a spiritual battle. Why does the king of Persia want him not to get the answer? Because we're going to see in chapter 11 why he doesn't want him to get the answer. There's things that the enemy doesn't want you to hear, that doesn't want you to know. And as you're praying, the Lord wants to minister to you, and it is a spiritual battle that takes place all around us. He mourned and cried out for God, to God for 21 straight days. In response to the troubling vision, the situation in Jerusalem, he's crying out and seemingly with no response from Almighty God. Notice he says, your words were heard. I have, be- I have come because of your words. God hears your prayer. And when you pray, we should be seeking God's will, not our wants. Amen? And we cry out for his will, and as we pray for his will, we pray in our time, God answers in his time, and his timing is always Perfect. Your words were heard. He has a humble heart to understand. He comes humbly before, before Almighty God, and his words were heard. From the day Daniel prayed, his words were heard. An angel was sent. The enemy opposed. And again, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Again, this is most likely, again, an angelic being ruling over the things in Persia. And because Daniel's visitor had been fighting with the prince, again, a fallen angel. In Ezekiel 28, it says that uh, Ezekiel speaks of the king of Tyre, which we have come to believe is Satan himself, the real power behind the earthly ruler. Remember what year this was given in. It's the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. The Persians are one of the uh, people overseeing the Jewish remnant. And of course, the enemy is doing everything he can. Why does Satan hate the Jews? Why? Because Jesus is of the Jew, because they wrote the word of God, because they're God's chosen people, and because the Messiah would come to the Jews. That's why he hates the Jews. Amen? So when someone's anti-Semitic, they're joining Satan in their hatred for the Jewish people. He said he withstood me for 21 days. What if he'd stopped praying at 19? I don't know. But then it said, Michael came to help me. Now, this is proof to me it's not Jesus. Amen? So he, Michael's the archangel, uh, talks about him having protection over Israel. And so there is spiritual warfare. And the angel was sent 21 days earlier. He could not reach Daniel because of the resistance. And it could be some of the delays of your experience in life are due to the warfare that's going on behind the scenes that you'll never see. Sometimes when it comes to invisible spiritual warfare, we can get to feel like we're about as effective as a person as a blindfolded man swinging at a pinata, right? We're just like, oh Lord, I don't know why this isn't working. 
And you know why? It's because God, we need to keep praying because God's timing is perfect. Amen? Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open the eyes. Remember that? Elisha had a servant and, and they were surrounded by the enemy and he's like, we're done. And he says, Lord, just open his eyes. And he looks up and what does he see is chariots of fire surrounding with angelic beings surrounding the enemy. And you know what? I think when you're discouraged, you know, Lord, if we could just see what surrounds us. See, as the enemy surrounds us, greater is the one that surrounds them. Amen? Do we play a part in a spiritual battle? We do. How do we do that? We put on the whole armor of God. Amen? We prepare ourselves for the spiritual battle as it will take place. Again, there's thrones. It talks about archangels, dominions, the cherubim and the seraphim, the principalities. These are like generals in the angelic host. There's powers that are more like privates. And so we, we battle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities and evil forces of darkness in high places. Verse 14 says, Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet, yet to come. So I'm going to tell you about the vision, but it's, it's going to take place way down the road. It's not going to take place right away, but it was important that he knew and understood. Verse 15, point number four there, when we truly understand what the future holds, it should bring us to the end of ourselves. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him, who stood before me, my Lord, because of my vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me. I retain no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with, your Lord, with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any breath left in me. He let him see the vision of what was going to take place. And when he saw what was coming, it brought him to the end of himself. It broke his heart. It drove him to his knees. Daniel started on the ground. He stood back up, and now he's back face down on the ground again. Why? Because his heart was broken for people. He had a burden for his people. And we truly understand what the future holds. It'll bring us to the end of ourselves. Do we care? We had another little earthquake, right? Most of you didn't even stop what you were doing, right? You live in California. You just keep going, right? Guess what? There's going to be earthquakes that make every earthquake that's ever happened. 120-pound hailstones falling from the sky. Third of the world's population dying in a single day. Water turning to blood. I mean, What's, what's coming is going to be so radical. And, and if we are mindful of that, and we have people that we love, that if we are raptured and they stay, they're going to face that. That ought to burden us and bring us to the end of ourselves. Amen? I'm going to finish. And the football game's at 3.30. You're okay. <laughs> Give me five more minutes. All right, I'm going to finish. Go Niners. I just can't do that. <laughs> just saying. I'm from Santa Cruz. What can I tell you? They got a Christian, they got a Christian quarterback, so we can refer them. Verse 18, the battle belongs to the Lord. Look what it says here. I love this. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. He lets him know Daniel's overwhelmed. His strength was gone. There was no breath left in him. He was fearful. He was trembling. He was overwhelmed. And how was he strengthened by the word of God? 
God speaks to him and delivers the word. Oh, men, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Be strong. And so when he spoke, when he heard the word, he was strengthened. Guys, we fall pray to the world. We get overwhelmed by what's going on around us and we become weak. And the way that we can be strengthened in our walk is to spend time in the word of God and be encouraged from the word of God. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by. So if we want more faith, we need to spend more time in the word. And here he is completely flat out. Here he is at a place where all his strength is left him. He has no hope. He's totally just burdened by what he has seen. And he just tells him, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We need to be strengthened. If you need to be strengthened in your faith, in your walk, in your marriage, in your family, in your gifting, in your fear, your anxiety, your worry, open up God's word and let him speak to you. Amen? When you open it and read it and obey it, when you open the word of God, almighty God that created the universe is speaking directly to you. Guys, why do we let it sit on the shelf? Why do we spend so much time listening to the world and not listening to the Lord? And Daniel, all he needed was a word from God. The battle was ongoing, and thankfully the battle belongs to the Lord. Put your trust in the one who fights for you. Last verse. Then he says there, but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. He lets him know that, look, I came to deliver the message to you. By the way, I got to go fight that dude again. I got go, to go battle with the prince of Persia. And, you know, Michael's going to come help me. And we're going to wipe that dude out. But he lets him know here at the end, I love this. I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. Guys, the world is looking for truth. And this is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And any message that supposedly comes from an angel or comes from a man or comes from anyone will always agree with this word or it's not the truth. Amen? There's a reason why we want you to grab a Bible on your way in. You got to make sure the guy behind you is making this stuff up. Amen? This is the word of God. This is the final court of authority. And he and, and he and he alone is the one in whom we put our trust. So I know we... That was a little bit of a fire hose, amen? But the battle, we battle not with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle that we fight. How many of you guys have kids that, are, that need to get saved? Okay, are, way, are wayward. Okay, so what do we want to do? We want to pray for them. We want to intercede on their behalf. Can I get them into that? How many have coworkers and family and friends? How many have people that are at the end of their life and they're going to go to hell if they don't get saved? Guys, who can intercede on their behalf? It's us. Who's called to pray for them? It's us. It's a spiritual battle that we fight, but we battle not with flesh and blood, powers and principalities, even force of darkness in high places. But here's the good news. God's on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And in the end, God wins. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for this glimpse into the spiritual realm that's all around us. And Lord, we know that no doubt there's the demonic over California. And Lord, we just pray and ask in Jesus' name that you'd bring deliverance and bring victory. Lord, I pray we, would not, we wouldn't quit praying, that we would keep praying, that we would keep interceding, that Lord, we would fast and pray as you call us to. The Lord, we would empty ourselves of us and fill ourselves with you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for revival in Canal Valley and Belong. Start, may it start in our homes. May it start in our marriages. May it start with our children. May you use us in our workplace. And Lord, I pray that we would not succumb to the 
distractions of the enemy, that we would not be drawn away by the temptations of this world, but Lord, that we would be like Daniel, that we would pray even when nobody else does, that we would mourn over the loss when nobody else will, and that Lord, we would be tools in the hands of the master, that we'd be available to be used for your kingdom and your glory. Lord, I pray for everyone here that we would all be salt and light. And I pray that we would all be reminded today that we are greatly beloved by our Savior. And because we are greatly beloved, we should have joy and peace in the midst of the greatest trials of life. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.